Good morning. Good morning, New Direction. Praise the Lord. Oh, I just love the energy in the room. It's early, but God is here. And uh, we are going to open up in a word of prayer so we can get right into uh, today's uh, just time of learning and dialogue. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are uh, just so beautiful, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you've been doing uh, thus far for this Global Missions Month. Your word tells us that we can have uh, all the gifting in the world, the gift of prophecies and understand mysteries, God, but if we do not have love, we have become a clanging symbol. And so, Father, we're here because we want to understand not just how to preach the gospel, but to be the gospel. Father, we ask that you would just move on our hearts, compel us, convict us, challenge us that we might continue to reflect the image of your son. God, we thank you so much for our speaker for this morning. We bless you that you have called him and equipped him, and now he is coming to pour into us. So we're asking that you would fill him afresh and that you would speak to him in such a way that would cause us to understand the call to action in fulfilling your great commission. We thank you so much for a church that supports missions. And so, Father, we thank you so much for all that's going to take place during our time this morning and in our worship service. We commit all these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, family. We are so excited uh, to go into week two of Global Missions Month. And so this morning, I just want to briefly uh, introduce our speaker. Um, and I just want to say that as he is presenting, my prayer is that you would begin to just consider any questions that you want to share uh, with Brother Ray or with the class so we can have some dialogue in like the last 10 minutes of our class, and I'll signal you for that. Um, we'll be able to ask some questions, so please feel free uh, to be very unapologetic and bold in what God is giving you to ask, because that's the purpose of this time. But Brother Ray Hutchison, um, I've had the privilege of being exposed to him for over 15 years at different missions conferences. It's in his heart for the nations and for this nation uh, is so impactful. He has lived in Liberia, West Africa with his family for six years uh, in the 80s and has taken several trips back uh, to the country. He works for SIM USA and I believe we said that that was over 30 years you've been working with this missions organization. And SIM USA, just for context, uh, is a catalyst for global mission that goes above in prayer and beyond in care to bring good news to hard places. And God has given him such a heart, not just for uh, those persecuted in hard places, but also for racial healing uh, and, 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 and reconciliation. And so we want to invite him up as he comes to share with us. And we ask that you just encourage him as he comes. Amen. All right. Thank you, Sister Kanita. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, please feel 
free to come closer so you can see this, because we're, we're going to focus a lot of attention on a PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to turn sideways so I can see over there, because I'm going to have to read over there. Another reason I want you to come closer is my eyesight is not great. <laughs> so, so I can see you. Um, it would be very helpful to me to have you up closer. OK, let's see here. Don't you just love arrows? <laughs> let, let, let's, see, let's see how this goes. Ah, it works. Thank you, Brian. OK. Let me, let, me, let me pray here. Lord Jesus, thanks for your presence with us. It's great to know you're in Delaware and Pennsylvania and Liberia and China and on the moon and Mars and in every corner of the universe, for you created all things. And Lord, you have an amazing love for all peoples. And um, you have put together a plan to reconcile all people back to yourself. We pray, Lord, that you will hear from your spirit today and make us into the people you want us to be and give us your heart for the people around the world who you created. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, Kanita, I need to know, what, what is my drop-dead time to be finished? I like when when you do like that. I know that that's that's a crocodile. And that, yes, got it. Message, message received. Is there going to be one come out back here or something? Yeah, good. But, but I want to do that. I always want to honor people's time. I don't. I don't like to go beyond that. But at the same time, I like to have a little bit of fun, and I think we'll see a little bit of that. Now. Basically, what I'm going to talk about is five elements toward racial healing in the church, a new path forward. We're going to talk on that a little bit. But in the, in the beginning here, I'm going to talk about the organization I'm a part of and my wife and my role in it. My wife, Jane, is uh, back in Pennsylvania today attending a baptism of a student of hers. She's been in the public schools for quite a few years and tutors children at our home. And we served as, as missionaries in Liberia. Now, I want to ask you a question. Can anybody, out of all those nations up there, can anybody pick Liberia out? <laughs> which, 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 which one? This, this one? Whoa. Is this not shining on the... Oh, it doesn't? Ah, oh, the pointer doesn't work on the screen. Which, which one do you think is Liberia? Kanita, you have an amazing congregation here. Everybody <laughs> picked Liberia out. Yes, it's that little red country in West Africa. That's where we had the, the privilege of working. I'd like to give you just a taste of Liberia right now, okay? But I'm going give to give you a taste in a different way than you normally do. I would like to read a story for you out of this book called How God Fixed Jonah. Anybody ever hear of God? How God Fixed Jonah? That's this book right here. But I'm going to read a story out of here called Deve Hinofi. Deve Mine Shifri Pa. Every day you dry the sheep, you find good grass, find sweet water, you mind the sheep good. Deve don't humbug nobody, most time nobody don't humbug Deve. When he mind the sheep, he hardly down. 
And he makes song, he makes his song, he sings his song, he makes harp with plenty of string, he plays harp, he sings. By and by, the war palava catch Judah country and all the men go. The young men are strong, and they tell us, spell and cut and go. David brother go, but David sell no be man, so he stay behind and mind his sheep. David ain't pa. By and by, the word come back. The word said, war go back for Judah. The word said, other people be strong too much and chiant before the other side. No Judah man can fight him. And David hear the word. David go before his pa face, say, pa, make it I go find my brother, make it I carry them chop, they can be hungry this time. The old man say, I agree. When David come to the play, he walk about to find his brother, and while he look, he hear somebody say, oh, one man may walk for we. Then David see the giant. He be high past them, maybe strong, same way. He got eye on me, on head, more iron on in front, and he walk about and he laughs, say, Ho, 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 them funny Judah man. They no can fight. Come on now, so I can kill you. If you no can fight, go and fight your mommy. Ho, ho, ho. That's a bad dude right there. <laughs> and the Judah man, they fear for two. The Judah man, they fear to fight the giant. But David, he no fear. David take his sling. He pick a round hard rock. He go out before the giant and say, we got going to fight for we. Giant say, oh, small boy done come to say, I'll do. This not come for a fight. Giant say, do your mommy know you're out? David said, now nah, kill you. Just said, go from my face, I eat you. <laughs> He's not big enough to beat a giant. <laughs> David stand. He put a rock in his sling. He turned it all about, round, round the giant. Come close the sling, like go, bop. A giant holler out of his holy head. He turned, he tried to walk, he fall, he roared, he twisted about, he died. David walk up close while all the Judah people shot and all the other people run. David take the giant, cut itself, and, and cut the giant hair from off his neck. Then David brother come and say, you fool. Whoop, I'll have a beautiful man. Go home, go home. Mind a sheep. David say, now I go. You ever hear that story before? <laughs> Did you ever hear a story like that before? <laughs> Do you think you know what that story was? That's Liberian English. It's a pidgin English. And if I was speaking in rural Liberia, I would sound very much like that. Because if I spoke the English that we speak here, there would be a big glassy look in people's eyes, and they wouldn't be able to see it. This is a book written by a man named Lorenz Graham, who taught at the University of Liberia back in the 40s. And he did a retelling of Bible stories in Liberian English. So it's very important, isn't it, Kanita, to put the word of God in a language that the people can understand. That's, that's in part what mission is all about. Amen. So we work with SIM. Sudan Interior Mission is the, uh, the original term. Uh, Sudan used to refer to the whole band of Africa from west coast to the east coast south of the Sahara Desert basically in that area right there. But now we've expanded a little bit more. We're in about uh, 70 countries on six different continents. <clears throat> and our missionaries come from over 60 nations. That's exciting to me. It really is exciting. I, I want to introduce you to our international director, the big kahuna. <laughs> His name is Dr. Joshua Bogunjoko. How do you like that for an American name? Not exactly. He's actually Nigerian. 
wonderful, humble, wise leader. <clears throat> SIM has been around for 193 years, and no, I am not a charter member. <clears throat> Here's a, a painting that was commissioned at our centennial in uh, 1993, our 100th anniversary. As, as you see in the background there, there's South America, Africa, and Asia. And then there are splotches of color coming toward you. Then you see that there are people. And then when they come right near you in the front, you see that these are people who are very different from one another. And this depicts the roughly 120 different ethnic groups that had the gospel introduced to them through SIM's ministries in the first 100 years. I don't know where we are now, probably at least 150 different groups, maybe 160 or 70. Not quite sure. <clears throat> Three general activities that we do in SIM, respond to need, proclaim the gospel, and equip the church. We have one compelling motivation, and that is convinced that no one should live and die without hearing God's good news. We believe that he has called us to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ in communities where he's least known, to take the good news from, from where it is known to where it is not known, mm -hmm. to people who have no idea who the Lord Jesus is, nor what he came to do, and we can work together to do that. We do a lot of different kinds of ministries. We're a general mission, church planning and evangelism, discipleship, Bible translation, health care, Businesses, mission, accounting, finance, and you can see all the other things that are there. If, if you've got a skill, we probably can use you somewhere in the world. And there are more than what you see here. I'd like to show a video now, give you a little bit of an introduction to SIM. Hit it, Brian. <laughs> There are so many people living and dying without ever knowing who Jesus is. We are willing to do whatever it takes to change that. For over a century, SIM has been a partner in global mission for those dedicated to crossing barriers and making a difference. The three founders of Sudan Interior Mission, now known as SIM, recognize that the task of bringing good news to hard places must be carried out in collaboration with others. The task is just too massive and significant to undertake alone. When people see SIM, they see a wide array of ministry opportunities in more than 70 countries. There are 4,000 workers in SIM laboring with others to respond to need, proclaim the gospel, and equip the church. Thousands of churches send these workers from over 65 nations and partner in ministry through strategic involvement, prayer, and financial support. SIM invites people to journey with us in pursuing God as we seek to be culturally inclusive and distinctly evangelical, weaving gospel proclamation together with addressing human need. Our long-standing and growing experience is embodied by authentic diversity and practiced prayer. As we stand on the shoulders of the obedient and daring women and men who came before us, we remember their faithfulness. And we continue to press on so that one day there is no corner of the world that hasn't heard the name of Jesus.
packet of materials uh, on SIM. Uh, SIMUSA.org or SIM.org. They're two different websites, but they're both uh, related to uh, SIM. Also, before we go on from here, I want to mention one other event that I want to encourage you to consider going to. It's going to take place this, uh, uh, this month, June 20 to 22, in Vienna, Virginia. Anybody know where Vienna, Virginia is? It's on the southwest side of Washington, D.C., outside of the Beltway, at McLean Bible Church. We're going to have, I think this is the seventh annual National African American Mission Conference. It'll be a Wednesday through a Saturday morning up till about one o'clock. Do you know, have you heard of Dr. Carl Ellis? Dr. Carl Ellis will be one of the speakers. His wife, Karen, will also be a speaker, and several others. It's, it's a great occasion to be challenged with, uh, with the message of world mission. So go to the NAMAC, NAMAC, N-A-A-M-C, the NAMAC. I think it's .org. But if you put in the NAMAC, it'll, it'll take you to it. Go and see what it's about. And, it, and if you're free and you are so inclined, please feel free to do that. Now, you folks that have just snuck in here, you are not, you are not safe because I saw you. <laughs> Please feel free to come up a little closer. A lot of what we do is going to be here on the screen, and it'll be easier for you to see when you come closer. Now, does everybody have a copy of this, this, this number five on a domino? That's what it looks like, isn't it? The rest of the time that we have together is really going to focus on that. Okay? Here we go. I think, simusa.org. All right. Moving from bowling to beaming. Hmm. What's that all about? Let's see. Let's go back to that picture right there. The theme verse for this, this painting, and you'll see it down the bottom on that blue banner. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The message of Jesus Christ is for all peoples, all ethnicities, the roughly 16,000 people groups around the world. And it's important that those different ethnicities, believers from there, really learn to get along with each other. Jesus had something to say about that in John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. He doesn't say, I suggest that you do, or it would be nice if you did. Uh, love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. This next verse, 35, is so powerful. By this, all men and women will know that you are my disciples if you love one for another. Now, when it, where, where he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Is he speaking in hyperbole? 
In other words, just going far beyond what he really means. The whole world, all people. Is, is that hyperbole, or does he mean what he says? Hmm, that's, that's a pretty powerful statement. I wonder how we're doing with that right now. Oh, well, I'm just thinking out loud. Okay. Look here, John 17, 20 to 21. Where Jesus, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. My Father, uh, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That would be us. Not just the immediate disciples of his generation, but for all believers down through the years. That would include us. We are in the train. We're in it. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Is he speaking in hyperbole? I don't think so. So by their love, all men will know. By their unity, the world will know. Hmm, how are we doing on that? Hmm. I believe one of the greatest hindrances to the worldwide spreading of the gospel is believers not choosing to obey the command to love each other or live out Jesus' prayer to pursue unity among believers. Uh-oh, uh-oh, especially between black and white believers in America. Now, honestly, there, there are thousands of illustrations of ethnic groups that don't get along. How, how about the Hutus and Tutsis? Remember that in Rwanda? How about the Palestinians and the Israelite and the Jews? I mean, the, just, just to name two other prominent ones. Personally, I believe that the rift between black and white in America, and I'm talking including, and may I say especially in the church, is probably at the top of these because of its notoriety. American television and movies spreads the gospel of black and white people in America do not get along. Do I, do I have an amen somewhere? I, I, I personally believe that that's, that's really true. Hmm. Remember, moving from bowling to beaming. Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people... Light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay. Under a bowl. When it's under a bowl, we are bowling. How are we doing on this? How are we doing on this? Hmm. Or put it on its stand, keep the bowl off, and it gives light to all in the house. We want to move from bowling to beaming. Bowling to beaming. How are we going to get there? And why in the world is it so hard? Why are we so ineffective? 
We have the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God. That's why we say in the church, five elements toward racial healing in the church, because I believe only the church has the answer to this. But how are we doing on it? And if, and if we're not doing so good, if or since, since we're not doing so good, what can be done to make it the way that Jesus intended? Because after all, by this, all men will know and that the world will know. We know what his desire is. So what's going on here? And, and even more importantly, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? How are we doing? What are your thoughts? This is a, this is a rare opportunity for you to talk when I'm talking. <laughs> I'm working on my listening skills. How are we doing, Calvin? Wow. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I, I was, you said uh, strategically. Are you, are you trying to tippy-toe around? That's not, it, we see you. <laughs> but I wanted you to unpack that strategically thing. And I think you, all, you already started veering into that lane. Unpack that a little further more, uh, further for us. you're Caucasian and you're here in our church and you're teaching a class so we we could get the normal the normalcy we find is that we join a church and the church is like us and we get feel comfortable but God hasn't called us to be comfortable mm. like that he's called us to go and to to love others yeah so uh, it's easier to love someone who looks like you, does things like you, basically. But then when you go into a situation where people aren't the same doing things the way you do it, for example, um, you'll go to a church and you'll get dressed. Uh, our church here, we dress more uh, freely. But you go into a church and people dress up under a certain type of dress code. Mm -hmm. And then you go into a white church and they, they dress freely like you're dressed today. So... It kind of like, oh, man, well, they, they don't dress like us, so we don't really belong together. Yeah. That's just a facade. That's just the outside coating yeah, we have. Yeah. But it's about what we have in our hearts. So when I look at you, I say, Ray has the love of Christ in his heart for me, and I have the love for Ray in my heart. And, we, and that's what Christ is talking about, us mm -hmm. being together. You know, our hearts, the spirit of God has taken up residence in our hearts. The same spirit yeah. in your has taken up residence in my heart also. Yeah. Beautiful. So, you know, just unpacking it to that point. Good. Good, Calvin. Thank you very much. Thank you. Kenita, were you going to say something? Yes, I was just um, in response to your question. I think uh, that there has been uh, great tension and growing resentment uh, as the church kind of struggles to navigate how to build bridges yeah. with those yeah. with a different uh, cultural background and worldview. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I believe that, at least from the African-American church's side, there's resentment towards uh, the, 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 what is seen as com complicitness because of the silence of those who see the injustices occurring. Yep. But we're looking for, you know, Caucasian evangelicals to be a voice for, we would represent the voiceless in this case because we are the ones that are being oppressed in a sense. So I, I, I think that there's a great tension and almost a disappointment in um, many of faith, many of the greatest faith leaders with the largest platforms who actually have the opportunity to speak on these issues um, who are not, either they are uh, kind of speaking a different narrative that seems like it's almost, you know, this is a church that is completely divided, but we're supposed to be, believe in the same God, the same yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so there's just great tension and uh, lots of uh, division. That, that, is, that is so well said. Good. And we're, we're going to go into that a little bit. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Excellent. This is good. Y'all are making me feel so good. I, I, I love that you're, you're engaging with me. We, we need to engage with each other. We really do. In what ways do we continue to bowl? Disappoint. I, I hear you say there's disappointment. There's a, there's a thought on the part of African American. There they go again. There it is. Same old story. Right? And you know what white people are thinking? There they go again. Same old story. <laughs> we speak the same language, but we're referring to two different things. And that's really interesting, we're going, and we're going to touch on that a little bit. What can we do to get back to the beaming that God intends? What can we do? Sister. Stop being afraid. Oh, wow, that's Stop powerful. Just powerful. step into your uncomfortable situations and be who God intended for you to be. I love that. I love it. Thank you. That's a great. Uh, that's a great admonition. Anything else? I think one thing we do or body of Christ is all is we try to try to make leaders a particular ethnicity. Wow, <laughs> that's we heavy. Try yes. to, we try to put him in a box Powerful. and say he's black, he's white. Right. The images we've seen over time have depicted him as the blonde hair. Uh, uh, Blue-eyed Jesus, and now, you know, as African Americans have evolved into studying the word more, they feel, you know, we feel that he's African American, you know, just putting him in a box, trying to assign him a color, and I think that's one big issue that we have. If we don't see him as, if we see him as colorless, and he loves all people, regardless of where he came from, He's Jesus Christ. He created us all the same. Then I, I think that would that would help us to overcome this racial tension and barrier that we have. That's 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 really hindering the church. Oh yeah, you, you remind me of a story that Tony Evans told. There's a black guy and a white guy, are really good friends. They just, but they always had this ongoing argument, and that was what color was God? Was he black or white? And you can guess who was on which side of the issue. So tragically, one day they were in a traffic accident and both of them were killed. 
and they passed through the pearly gates together, and just inside on the other side, there was a great big old house. And they walked up to the door, and they said, we're going to settle this right now. So they knocked on the door, and the door opened up, and they hear, buenos dias, amigos. <laughs> that's not mine. That's Dr. Tony Evans. So now we know what the language of heaven is. Very good. Go ahead, Calvin. can't see his face right right and in fact it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's not right to put up a picture of jesus christ yeah because what do we know yeah you know and and we should look it's the spirit of god that, that we have the major concern not what he looks like it's the spirit of god exactly right this is beautiful brother yeah i think the other thing that we have to do is we have to be intentional Yes, good it, word. It's not going to just happen. And um, there is a cultural uh, gap or delta, if you will. And so we have to figure out ways to make um, others comfortable, um, as well as just understand the difference in the culture so that we it's not so different. It's not an enigma for one or the other, if you will. So being intentional to, to make that um, happen, I think, is one way, and uh, I'm, I'm open to understanding a little bit more of what we can do to, to do that. that. That's really good. What, what I'd like to do now is, I, I love the interaction. I wish we could do this all day, because I think this is, this is really where the, where the most valuable stuff happens. It really is. But what I remember, we're, we're talking about five elements toward racial healing, a new path forward. I, I want to have sufficient time to explain those five elements and, and, and get your feedback on it and see if that's helpful to you. Thank you so much for engaging. One thing that everybody needs to realize that it's not the color, you know, that we got to worry about. Yep. There ain't no white church, there ain't no black church. That's right. God is the church, and you carry the church in your heart. Yep. And one yep. thing about it, to get to heaven, you got to love everybody. God didn't say that, you know, maybe uh, some, you really got to love everybody. Yeah. The faith without love is dead. Well, that's no right. No matter what people think. Well, that love, that love thing is, I'll, I'll go even more foundational than what you just did. We have to understand the great love that God had for us yes. and pass that love on to other people. Because when, 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 we're, when we're short on that one, the whole thing falls apart. Right. He's the one that makes this reconciliation thing possible. Okay, we're, with your permission, I'm going to move on, okay? All right. This is my Philly Buddies group. We're, we're, we're about nine of us that get together, some black guys and white guys, and we have been working together. You see Brother Joe up there? He's back in the corner, Brother Joe Massengale. I thought, yeah, and Brother Harry, Harry's there. This is at Harry's place. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have been working for the last several years 
We meet on a regular basis every six, four to six weeks, and we hang out together. And, and it was our joint effort in putting together what we're going to share with you. Some of those guys are senior pastors. Others are regular Christian dudes. And we're, we're working at this. And we're going deep in relationship. Amen. We really are. And that's really what it's about. Five elements toward racial healing in the church, a new path forward. Now, you have a sheet of paper there in front of you. If you don't, please put your hand up, and we'll make sure that you get one. Okay, so, so here it is. This is that uh, number five in dominoes. And this is kind of what we came... We used to call it five steps toward racial healing, but we didn't like that because that denotes chronology. And this doesn't work. Well, you do step one, and when you're done with that, you go to step two. This doesn't work that way because you can start at one place and, and go to another one or whatever. Uh, there's one that's really foundational, and the others kind of revolve around it. But uh, I want to share this with you. Now, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is look at the bottoms of each of those circles. You'll see, you'll see a single word starting with a C in all caps, capital letters. And I, that's how I'm going to refer to these different elements. Okay, and we'll, we'll kind of go through it. <clears throat> the, the first one is consecration. It's the one right in the center. Consecration. There you go. That word right there. Look, look up at the top. Uh, consecration. Exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Center your relationship with each other on your mutual uh, relationship with him. Amen. This is where we mess up, brothers and sisters. We put, we put our own ethnic affinity or political preference or Lions Club optimist or baseball team or whatever ahead of our relationship with each other through Christ. Tony Evans put it this way in his book. Anybody ever read the book Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans? Wonderful book. Wonderful book. Tony, Tony Evans said, you got black culture, you got white culture, you got God's kingdom agenda. The problem is you got black culture and white culture and you got God's kingdom agenda. What we got to do is reverse it. We have to put our relationship with each other because of Jesus ahead of all of that other stuff. And that, that's a big part of the problem. There are some other things that are more important emotionally or whatever. And, it, and, it, and it's keeping us divided. We have to do that. Okay. This one. Oh, let's look at this a little further. Jesus Christ is the exalted center of our lives. Our relationships with each other are special because of our mutual relationship with him. We're family. Hello. We are. These special relationships take precedence over all others. This is the foundational element which permeates all the others. If this one doesn't stand, just forget the others. And by the way, do you know what I want to say? Several of the others are being applied in a lot of these efforts to bring black and white together. How's it working? Not so good. Only the church has the resources and the ability to deal with a racial divide. I am absolutely convinced of that. We have everything necessary to deal with. 
And why should we? For the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ among all nations. Oh, man. You, you, that's, that's what this comes down to. Notice the prominent place of prayer. Look at that. Look at that little piece of paper. See those arrows darting this way, darting that way? We got to bathe this whole thing in prayer. And I don't mean just assume that it's going to happen. I mean plan for it. Make, make prayer central in, in what we're doing. Any questions on consecration? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But by comparison. There you go. Exactly right. That, that is so well said. And, and that coordinates with so many other things that Jesus says. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, right? But we, we, need, to just, we need to stop just mouthing that, but living it and practicing it. Good. Anybody else on consecration? No, I don't speak that language. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, let's move to confrontation. Looking at your paper, up in the top left corner, confrontation. There you go, right there. <clears throat> oh, boy. <laughs> Expect spiritual warfare. Equip yourself with the weaponry God has provided. We are in a spiritual battle, brothers and sisters. Satan is highly invested in the racial divide. He employs many strategies against us. We need to learn to recognize his methods and stand firm against them. Uh, whenever I talk to people about this and spiritual warfare, and oh, yeah, Satan's really involved. How? What does he do? What can we do about it? Let me think about it. That's by design. Slewfoot is known as the deceiver, and that isn't for no reason at all. He is very good at it, and we'll talk a little bit about that here. This is the least understood and perhaps the most crucial element. You know what? I'll tell you what he's like. He's like special ops guys. He's like the SEALs. The SEALs come in there. They do their business. They are out of there. Nobody ever sees them. All that is seen is the damage that they leave behind. Uh, Satan's a whole lot better than that. He really is. He really is. He covers his tracks so well. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Get this. Here, here's a hint to help you. When a little thing becomes a big thing and it doesn't make any sense, there's a snake under a rock. 
How about a lot of these instances, these racial instances that perk up? This happens, and it happens many other places, many times every week. But this one, boom! Why? There's a snake under a rock. He is, he is messing that thing up. Hmm, what's that? Have any of you ever had an encounter with a spider web? Yeah. What part of your body tends to find spider webs? Now, who said face? Now, are you saying, man, there's got to be one. Oh, there's one. <laughs> Is that what you do? No. It's the sense of touch on your face that says you have encountered a spider web, but your eyes never saw it. You see that? That's how deceptive he is. And, and, the, and the skin receptors, nerves on our skins, you have encountered a spider web, but your eyes never saw it. This part of our body that puts us most closely attuned with our outward environment never saw it. That thing slipped in under the radar, and poof, there you are. That's what we're facing, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> okay. Well, let me, I want to, can I back up here? Yes, yes, I can, right here. Um, this, I, I can't tell you this is so crucial. What does it say in Ephesians 6? For our struggle is not against what? Not against what? Who do we blame for this racial divide thing? It's those people on the other side. Right, right there tells you that there's something else going on there. That we need to be aware, we need to be fully aware that we are in a battle and the person that we're fighting against does not have our best interest at heart. We're to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. What are they? That's a whole other lesson. I'm really not going to go deep into that. But he has methodologies, uh, the schemes of the devil, methodios, methods that he uses against us. There's another, there's another passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where apparently there was a brother that had sinned grievously, and then he must have confessed and repented, because now in chapter 2 it says, now you must forgive him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Whatever there is for, to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ, Listen to this. In order that Satan might not outwit us or take advantage of us, listen to the very last phrase, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Yes. Now, the word schemes there is not methodios. It's another word. The best English translation is thoughts, for we are not unaware of his thoughts. What? No. What are you talking about, Ray? What I'm saying is, if we're going to catch a crook, we got to be able to think like a crook. Amen. Law enforcement people who are best at catching crooks can think like a crook. We need to know the crook so good that if I go to 42nd Street at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and head west, he'll come walking right up to me with his hand like this for the handcuffs. I know him that well. For we're not unaware of his thought. Well, what does that mean? We need to be able to think like Satan does. Uh, how does that work? Well, it works like this. Jesus said, uh, if we love one another, all men will know that we're his disciples. Satan suffers from this thing called ODD. 
opposition defiance disorder. Everything God is for, he's against. God says up, he says down. God says left, he says right. Oh, love one another. Oh, yeah. We'll see about that. United, oh, yeah. Let me look into my bag of tricks here. We need to be able to look and see that. One other illustration in this one, and I think this is crucial. I have a son who served in Afghanistan right after 9-11. He was part of the first line infantry units that went there um, in, in the fall of 2001. And um, that's when they started using uh, um, IEDs, improvised explosive devices. Uh, they've really gotten good at those after, since then, but they were deadly enough back in those days. So he was, he was in a squad, and they were going house to house and this and that. And I said, Joel, what did you look for to tell you that there might be an IED around so you didn't walk into that thing? He said, well, one thing is, uh, you go to a place where there's normally lots of people and there's nobody, there could be an IED. Or you go to a place where there are people, but they're all off in the distance and they're not talking, they're standing and looking at you. Or there's a guy standing way over there and he's got a cell phone in his hand and he's looking at you. Or it's a piece of trash on the ground. Or it's a brightly colored thing on the ground. Now I was tracking with him real well till he got to that last one. I said, Joel, you gotta, you gotta educate me on this. He said, during the 1980s, when the Russians were there, they built explosive devices and painted them all different color, bright colors, so that they were attractive to children. And that when they were picked up, that started a timer that went for about 20 minutes or 30 minutes to give that child a little bit of time to play with it and carry it back home before it exploded. Now, every one of those was a potential sign of an IED. What do you think Satan might be able to do? We can't go willy-nilly into this thing. We have, we have got to be smart. We have got to know what the Word of God says and stick with it. And, and we, we have to be like those people who detect the counterfeit. How do they do that? They come, become so familiar with the authentic that they can, that they can see the counterfeit from a mile away. We've got to be able to do that. Okay. All right. I'm going to move quickly through the others. Consideration. Edify others. Learn to listen. Seek to build strong trust relationships across the racial divide. That goes back to what Calvin was saying a, a little bit ago. We need to learn to listen. You know, if we only learn to listen, that would be one of the best things we could do. Kenita works for, for American Bible Society. One of the divisions of American Bible Society is Trauma Healing Institute. I'm a trauma healing facilitator. Went to Liberia twice since the Ebola virus outbreak, and I can't tell you how valuable that is in helping people to heal after they've gone through trauma. Many African-American people have faced generational trauma. And a way to help deal with that is to talk about those things that are painful. But people on the white side have faced traumas too. If we could only get each other together to learn to listen and practice those one another passages in scripture.
That's all I'll say about that at this point. Edifying each other by building empathy with one another, learning to listen and value each other, building strong trust relationships across the racial divide. This is the most healing and unifying element. Consideration helps us to be willing to want to work, uh, to work at bridging the racial divide. Oh yeah, okay, it's really good, but you know, I, 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 no, I'm not now. I, I, I hear you, but mm, 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 mm. we have to be willing to want to. That's my brother, my sister over there. We start building those relationships, then we're willing to want to do it. Learning to listen to each other would go a long way toward <clears throat> practicing one another ring. Collaboration. Enter collaborative efforts, strategize together to make an impact for Christ always and everywhere. Shared leadership, mutual investment, places love and unity on display at home and abroad, working together for positive change. Unity teams. I did a presentation at Stronghold some years ago. I call it moving from bowling to beaming. I said, brothers and si sisters, think what this would be like if we took a team of black and white believers together to another part of the world where they don't know the Lord Jesus and we're living out the love and the unity that Jesus commanded and prayed for, what that would be like. Uh, there, almost everybody was African-American. There were two or three others that looked like me. And we had a real lively discussion and my white brothers and sisters were like this. Because there was a lively discussion. It was powerful. Brother Harry, who we were talking about here a little bit ago, Brother Harry said, Ray, I felt so sorry for those white people. I said, I said Harry, you don't need to feel sorry. I said, they were hearing some things that were very important to hear. That was great discussion. But there was one man from India in there, too. When I made that comment about unity teams going over somewhere. He said, that's exactly the way it is. Several years ago, I took a team uh, uh, to India, black and white believers. He said, they got along so well together. And the Hindus were coming to me and saying, look at that. Oh, it, it's, it's there. Okay. This is the most public and synergy building element. You'll never get anywhere by just sitting down and discussing. You've got to get people doing things together, says Dr. Martin Hawkins. And this, this is really helpful. The last one is conversation. Yeah. Educate yourself on issues of race. Participate in cross-cultural conversations. Embrace the truth no matter how difficult. All right. Committing to long-term learning and change, receiving the truth in humility, speaking the truth in love, confessing and repenting when necessary, being willing to forgive. This is the most difficult element. This is, this is key right here. The most common mistake we make in, is moving too fast from consecration, the one in the center, to conversation. Okay, you're a believer, I'm a believer. Because of that, we ought to be able to talk anything through. If you try that without, without doing the, um, the confrontation, consideration, and collaboration, it will blow your foot off. 
you can't move too fast into this. You got to build relationship. Uh, moving to um, conversation without recognizing confrontation or practicing consideration and collaboration. Okay. Do I, we have a chance for a minute or two? A few questions? I actually want to make a really quick comment. This was an outstanding presentation, um, but that concept of collaboration is so powerful. I think that particularly in the African-American church, uh, there's been this mindset that has to be dismantled. As you're saying, the enemy works through that warfare and has black churches thinking that we need to mobilize amongst each other. Yep. We need to empower each other versus understanding God's model of all peoples worshiping him, praising him, all nations right. worshiping him. And it's not a bad thing to want to unify ourselves, but that unity is where God gets most glory because that's his design. And so I think that's really encouraging um, and, and affirming in what we're you know, looking to do as a ministry here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Think, think of what that man from India said. He said, the Hindus were coming to me and saying, look at that. What that Hindu was really saying was, now listen, I see American television movies, and black and white people don't get along in America. But what's this? They love each other. What's going on here? There's, there, there's some kind of dynamic there that goes far beyond ourselves. Brother Calvin, I'll come back to you, Brother Gray. This, this year, I had told Kanita, I said, it's a, poss a great possibility I won't be going to Kenya. And uh, David and Diane, they're a, a white couple from Canada that are counselors for mm. counsel the children there in, in, at Pace. And I thought about David, and David and I had this real good conversation. He was, he was thanking me for what I was doing with the boys, and then I would pass on information to him before I left Kenya. And he would be there six months. Him and his wife would be there six months, six months on, six months back home. And he was telling me how um, I called them the little warriors. They didn't want to be counseled. They didn't want to hear anything. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I would get to being the father to them. And they would start, and I'd seen them break down and cry, you know, all these things. I'd go back and tell David what it was that was bothering them. Loss of their father. They were, the father was in a war. They haven't seen their father since they were two. This, that, and the other was going on with them. I would pass this information on to him. <clears throat> and what it did was it started aligning us together for God's purpose. Three of those young guys have been discipled. Uh, Roberta Jackson was sharing with me concerning yeah. their discipleship. It was on, a, on the cover of her, uh, of her uh, newsletter. And, and I thought about it, and just thinking about what you were teaching here, how it affected those boys with us coming together. They were rejecting David. He would spend time with them, and it's a lot of work to be done, and they were rejecting him. And he says, Calvin, he says, whatever you pass on to me, it is so valuable. I have some insight on them, and I'll approach it differently. And so that's what I'm looking at collaboration. It's so important that we value each other, and when we value each other, God is right in the midst right. of doing something that is miraculous. And when you look at these young guys, and I call them little warriors because they had scars like they oh, would yeah. want to go into one of those gangs or whatever, but they have now they are finding the Lord to be their, what, who they're worshiping and honoring with their yeah. lives. Yeah.
Yeah, you want to get Elder Gray's question real quick before we Mass, close. Thank okay. you. I just think that, once again, the collaboration in this whole model seems very um, appropriate. I just think that as I looked at this and I thought about the United States, it seems like one of our biggest dilemmas is the numerous denominational approaches to churches. And I know you were saying you were meeting with other brothers and things like that. And I think that once we can get past that denominational <laughs> type of approach to, you know, doing this work that God has called us to do, I think that's going to help pull us together. Because you got the Lutheran, Presbyterian, you got the Methodist, you got the Baptist, Southern Baptist, and all these other religions that are out there that just seem to be the conflict that we're yeah. really struggling with. Well, with. the thing is, Satan wants to use anything he can to divide us, not just denominations, but generations, yes. but uh, also um, genders, yes. all different, anything he can use. That, that comes down to, for we're not unaware of his thoughts. Oh, so he wants us wants you to be loving toward one another and united. <laughs> He'll use anything and everything to divide us. Uh, Pastor, did you want to close a closing word? Or? Right, I wanted to. Uh, there was the, unsink the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. When the ship began to sink, those were, who were in first class were not concerned until the water began to reach the level of the deck that they were on. I think one of the reasons why we don't feel compelled to be burdened to overcome the, the, the divide is because it doesn't matter to us until it matters. Exactly. And so Powerful. one of the ways to mobilize people to the five approaches that I think are very appropriate is that pastors have to have enough backbone to preach about it so that the sheep will hear from the word of God, the heart of God. Because we're all on the Titanic. We're on this ship. Amen. And from God's perspective. And it's perspective, already going down. It's going down. It's going down. And it's causing harm to the kingdom of God Amen. because the love of Christ is not on display the way that it can when we understand that we're on the same boat. Very well said. Uh, j just one final thing here. Um, the, these five elements, for, for any churches that want to go deeper into these, uh, what I could do is, see, we just gave an introduction to all five of them today. What, what would be helpful is to have a total of about six hours where one session is an overview, and then we go in depth into each of, each of them and work out a strategy for your own situation to put them into practice. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Hutchison. Can we just give him a round of applause? That was so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. He'll be uh, available after service today for more questions.